We observe today not a victory of party, but a celebration of freedom. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. The Human Zoo, where they don't hide away the sick animals. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham. Stand to attention when I'm talking to you! On Talk Radio. Yes, Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. It's another bad day at the office with Prime Minister Theresa May as the storm clouds continue to gather and a no-confidence vote gets closer and closer. In the last hour, government whips have been told to stay in Westminster and cancel all engagements for the day, triggering the likelihood of a leadership challenge, possibly as early as today. We'll be taking the temperature down at Westminster with MP Andrew Bridgen and Talk Radio's political editor Ross Kempsell, just for starters. 0344 499 1000. That's not all, though. We'll be doing something else as well. Dawn Neeson is here and she'll be telling us about a new police speed camera that can film you from 1,000 metres away. Plus, we'll go down under ahead of I'm a Celebrity, which kicks off this weekend as well. 0344 499 1000 is the number you need to get hold of us on. And as if all that isn't enough, we'll have another thrilling episode of the Perrier Awards, a weekly homage to my broadcasting brilliance, presented as ever uh, by Dawn Neeson. You're listening <laughs> to me, Mike Graham, and Dawn Neeson on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Well, Dawn, a very good morning good to you. Good morning, Mike. Happy, happy Friday. <clears throat> happy Friday. And uh, it's been quite a 24 hours, hasn't it? I've got a headache. <laughs> I have got such a... I thought by the end of yesterday, my head was going to explode. Yes. I really couldn't take any more. Yes. I, I just, honestly, I really didn't know what was happening no. anymore. Well, anywhere. luckily, you're not alone in that. No. And we're going to try and navigate our way through Please. the choppy waters of Westminster because it's not just about Brexit anymore. No. It's now about the future of the Prime Minister, about the future of the Tory party. It's about the future of the country, the government, everything. Yeah, more importantly, it's about the future of the country. It's about yeah. all our futures as well. Yes. And I just don't know what's going on. And I no. want someone to give me an idiot sky because yes. I am an idiot about what You're is going on. You're certainly not an idiot, otherwise you wouldn't be sitting here. However, <laughs> however, we will be getting all sorts of idiots, guys, for everybody to try and figure out. For example, what does happen uh, if, in fact, there is a no-confidence motion triggered? What does then happen for Prime Minister Theresa May? Does she step down? Does she have to run for election once again in the party if she gets the vote of no confidence. We'll be finding out that plus the answers to many other questions as well. Let's go straight now, though, uh, down to Westminster because Andrew Bridget is a Tory MP for North West Leicestershire. Uh, we spoke to Andrew last week, funnily enough, uh, and a lot of people said what sense he made. So let's see uh, what he's got to say about all of this. Andrew, very good morning to you. Good morning, Mike. I'm actually in Leicestershire. I'm in my constituency. Oh, are you? I'm not in Westminster. Interesting, because we've seen today, this morning, in the last hour or so, that all government whips have been told to basically stay in London or return to London if, uh, uh, if in fact, they have left. What does that mean to you? Well, I've heard these rumours as well. Um, well, it would suggest that the 48 letters could well have been triggered. Right. Um, that will mean that there will be a confidence motion vote in the Prime Minister. Okay. Uh, Graham Brady will have informed number 10 of this, if this is correct. It's not been confirmed yet. But I would suspect then that we'll be having a vote either Monday or Tuesday. Uh, the rules are at the first convenient time. Well, mm. that's not going to be at the weekend. It's going to be when Parliament's sitting. And that will be a a, uh, a confidential ballot, a secret ballot um, in Committee Room 14. Right, and that would be a secret ballot by uh, for, for, for all Tory MPs, presumably. And do they uh, do they put their X on a little bit of paper? How does that work? Yes. It'll be a, a, a ballot paper with a pencil. 
and ballot boxes uh, in committee room 14, right. run by the 1922 committee. And in order for there to be found no confidence in the Prime Minister, is it a simple majority that she needs? Or a that you simple need? majority? Well, well, either way, it, well, it's 158 votes would be needed either for confidence or no confidence in the Prime Minister. Right. If that's the case, if the... Fi- if the no confidence votes were more than 158, that means that the prime minister uh, would be uh, barred from taking part in the leadership election. Um, if she gets more than 158, then she can try and carry on. Right. So, so what happens then if it if it is a vote of no confidence, Andrew? What does then happen? Can anyone put their name in the in in, in the arena? Yes, it's it's a very low bar. I think it's only two two uh, MPs that need to second you and. Uh, and you're in. Wow. So given the uh, the way these things normally happen, I mean, people will with positioning, people who probably think they've got no chance of being prime minister but want to show that they have some support. And uh, I would expect it could be quite a wide field. No, so, indeed. How long could this go on for then? Well, uh, normally, um, and they don't happen that often, uh, the 1922 committee would run a ballot where all the uh, candidates would stand to start with, and then the one who gets the least votes is knocked out at each stage. That depends on the number of candidates, how long that takes to go, with several days normally between uh, votes. Obviously, that could be uh, truncated. And then when you get down to the last two candidates, that then goes out to the membership, and the membership of the Conservative Party uh, would then vote on the last two candidates. So, I mean, just to an ordinary punter like me, this just sounds a, a lot of fiddling while Rome is burning around us. I mean, how mm. much longer have we got to, to mess around with this Brexit? Well, do you want um, a quick answer or do you want the right answer? Ah. At, the end of, at the end of the day, <laughs> you can't probably have both. Um, well, it's clear that, I mean, I think um, Theresa May's draft withdrawal agreement, which is based on the Chequers proposals, I mean, Chequers only ever had about 10% of the population of UK supporting it. Um, the draft withdrawal agreement but due to further concessions to the EU is even worse than Chequers. So that's just not a go, and it's not going to go through Parliament. So we need another route. And I'm afraid the Prime Minister seems absolutely determined to, to hang on to Chequers' proposals like it's some sort of political life belt when actually it's the lodestone that's dragging her down. So if we can't get rid of checkers, chuck checkers, I'm afraid we have to remove the Prime Minister. So, mm. Andrew, would you rather see a no-deal rather than this deal? Oh, well, no-deal was far better. no deal's not no-deal, it's WTO. That would be a clean Brexit. We wouldn't have to pay over the £39 billion. Can you imagine if uh, the Conservative government had £39 billion to spend on the NHS, defence, schools, um, the police and tax cuts. I mean, that is a huge war chest. And currently we're paying over this £39 billion under the withdrawal agreement. It was originally going to be for the free trade deal, and it is actually to get talks on a free trade deal where we're actually going to get trapped in a backstop when the transition period runs out that we're paying for as well, £20 billion, um, and we're never going to get let out of it. At least currently under the Article 50 system that we're in, the procedure to leave the European Union, we can leave the European Union. Under the withdrawal agreement, when we get stuck in the backstop, we actually need the European Union's permission to leave the backstop, mm. to leave the European Union. I mean, we don't even seem in two years to have negotiated being able to leave the European Union. 
But what makes you think, Andrew, and we know that you, you, you've come out and said you're one of those who's written a letter uh, expressing no confidence in the Prime Minister. What makes you think that we can get a better deal uh, or somebody can get a better deal with Brussels uh, after this one's already been agreed? Uh, that's very simple, Mike. That's because we've still got the money. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, what are you saying? It's just it's sort of in, inadequate and, and incompetent sort of negotiating that's caused us to get reached this point. Absolutely. Hmm. Absolutely. One thing you never do uh, in negotiations is, is place the head of your organisation as the negotiator, which Theresa May did. Hmm. When you negotiate through a negotiator, the, the head of the organisation, the, the negotiator can always say, hang on, that's above my pay grade, yeah. I need to go back and consult, I need a time out. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you place yourself as the head of the organisation, as a negotiator, you give away all those advantages of negotiation. Well, can you tell me one thing that the EU has conceded on that uh, that we've actually achieved for promising £39 billion staying in a customs union, mm. which will actually keep us as a captive market for EU goods which are overpriced on on, on the world world stage uh, in perpetuity. Of course the EU aren't going to let us out of that. No, Why well, indeed. I mean, I was asked this question yesterday by somebody, Andrew, and I said, well, surely it's better to start from a position somewhere rather than to have this kind of endless negotiating. Because if you went to go back, and I'm not I'm not against getting a better deal at all, and I'm not against getting rid of Theresa May either. However, um, if it all just leads to no p- possible gain, if you like, you know, and it's a bit like the First World War where you spend all day fighting and you haven't moved an inch, you know, is there any point in not just getting on with what we have uh, and trying to then renegotiate as you go? Well, there's no way. Once that deal's been signed, the, it's a treaty. The EU aren't going to let us out of it. That's the whole point. The EU are currently saying they wouldn't renegotiate with anybody. Well, they they would say that because they uh, currently they're sitting on what's potentially a very, very advantageous deal mm. for the European Union. But the answer is we've still got the money. But everything and that's been said so far, Andrew, on both sides has changed over time. I mean, mm. nothing that has actually been said has ever actually you know been fulfilled. That's, that's why the letters of no confidence are going in, Mike. I mean, Theresa May has consistently said, you know, we're leaving the European Union. Yeah. Brexit means Brexit. We're leaving the single market, the customs union, the jurisdiction of the European Court of Justice. And you have to bear in mind that under this withdrawal agreement, um, any disputes uh, over the actions of either party are subject to rulings by the European Court of Justice. I mean, that's the EU marking their own homework and ours. I mean, it's it's ridiculous how you could sign up for a deal like that. And it's not the Brexit we promised the British people, and it's not the best outcome of, of Brexit either for the country, which is really important. And this is bigger than bigger than prime ministers or MPs or backbenchers or anybody. This is about the future of our country. It is a treaty. The future relationship with the European Union is something that will be in a treaty which will probably, could well be uh, enacted. It'll affect our grandchildren and their grandchildren, and we have to get it right, and this is not the deal for our country. The the problem, you mentioned the grandchildren, is that the younger generation don't want to leave the EU full stop. We haven't sold it to them what the options are. The European Union is fairly close to us. It's 30 miles over the channel. The Britain that I see when we're a global trader, do free trade deals. The US want to do a free trade deal with us, the biggest economy in the world. Our old allies, Australia, New Zealand, India and China. We'll be able to have reciprocal deals with these countries that will allow our young people to go and work in America for four or five years, come back, bring those ideas, Australia, New Zealand. We have no language barriers whatsoever. Um, this is a world of opportunity for our young people. Yeah, but what, what about if they want to go and work in Spain or France or Italy and speak a foreign well, language? Well, we'll still be able to travel there as well. We're going to have 
you know, we're still still going to be the biggest market for EU goods after we've left the European Union. Um, we have a huge trade imbalance with the EU. It's the only part of the world where we do have a trade imbalance. We sell more to the rest of the world than than, than we buy from them. Um, but effectively, the European Union is, is a protectionist racket, which means that UK consumers are paying more than they need to do for their goods. That's why they want to keep us in the customs union, because they want to keep that huge market of the UK only really available, tariff-free, to overpriced EU goods in perpetuity. And if this whole process gets underway today, which it may well do in terms of the vote of no confidence, um, have you got a particular person in mind as far as who you'd prefer to see as Prime Minister? Is there somebody that you would back at this point, or are you going to wait and see who's standing? Well, I think um, given the track record of Theresa May, who campaigned for Remain and voted Remain, it's pretty clear to me that if we want to deliver the Brexit that the British people voted for and that our country deserves, we've got to elect as Prime Minister someone who backed the Leave campaign. You have to remember, Mike, it's an old adage and it's absolutely true. In life, you don't get what you deserve. You only ever get what you negotiate. Indeed. And Michael Gove at the moment seems to be rather sitting on the fence, doesn't he? Because we're told he was offered... He's in in an invidious position, isn't he? I mean, he's been offered... Um, the new the, to replace Dom, uh, Dominic Raab yeah. as Dexit secretary, right? As the sort of phantom uh, negotiator, because the previous you know, Dominic Raab and David Davis, it would appear neither one of whom was actually negotiating Brexit. No, it was all done through Number Ten. And, yeah. and uh, if we're to believe what's in the in the papers, Michael Gove has said his condition for taking the job is he wants to go back and renegotiate mm. the deal. So clearly, Michael Gove has no confidence in the current draft withdrawal agreement, that, for me, makes his position untenable. Yes, it does. But why is he saying now that he will not resign? Because surely this is now his opportunity if he's not willing to to form uh, part of the Brexit negotiating team and he's not willing to be part of Theresa May's cabinet any longer in the job that she wants him to do. Surely he should resign and then stand against her, shouldn't he? Well, he certainly should. In my view, he should resign because he has no confidence in the Prime Minister's flagship policy, mm. which is how we're going to leave the European Union. To be honest, I'm struggling to find anybody, whether they supported Leave or supported Remain, who likes this deal. I yeah. mean, it's amazing. The Prime Minister does seem to have united the country all against her policy. Yes. but So you haven't yet given me a name, though, for who you'd back to be Prime Minister, because that's quite an important question in a, in a way, because if you're going to ask to replace the mm, Prime Minister, exactly. you must have an idea of who it should be that takes the job. Well, obviously, I've got my own views, and I've expressed them that I think it's got to be someone who has supported um, the uh, the Leave campaign and, and believes in Brexit. But um, I'm not going to get into naming names. Um, I've said on various media outlets when I've been pressed on this that you know I've got a terrible track record of picking uh, who's <laughs> going to be the next prime minister. In 2005, I backed David Davis, and David Cameron won. And in 2016, I backed Boris Johnson and uh, Andrea Leadsom after that, after Boris fell out of the, the race. Mm. And obviously, Theresa May won. But, I mean, look where we are now. Well, indeed. Uh, well, maybe you should go the other way and pick somebody you don't like and then maybe see who else will win in, <laughs> in case of that. <laughs> I always think it's very dangerous to vote for someone you don't want to win. No, I it's absolutely my, right. But it, well, let, me, let, me, let me allow you to get out of this one gracefully, Andrew. Do you believe that whoever you do have in mind will do a better job as Prime Minister than Theresa May? Yes, I do. Uh, and more importantly, they'll do a better deal for the country than we've got. And quite honestly, that won't be difficult to get a better deal than the 
current draft withdrawal agreement, which isn't going to go through Parliament anyway. Mm. It hasn't got the votes. The only way that that could go through is if Theresa May persuaded Jeremy Corbyn to back her on this, and that would split the Conservative Party. Yes. Mm. Well, I mean, the future of the Conservative Party is up for grabs at this point, because this could destroy it, Andrew. Um, well, we'll call it renewal, shall we, Mike? Um, you have to remember that the Conservative Party um, is the uh, longest-running and most successful uh, political party in the world, and I want... And, and that's Doesn't look like we, it from here. Well, that's... well. You know, it's always darkest before dawn, isn't it? Mm. Yes, indeed. You know? <laughs> Quite so literally. Tell me, so case. you're talking about the Conservative Party 2.0, are you? Is that what we're talking about here? Oh, it's, there, there, there have been many. I mean, I've seen prime ministers come and prime ministers go while I've been an MP. Mm. And, and you know, once the decision's been made and we've got a new prime minister, you'll be very surprised how everyone unites around that prime minister. And it's it's sort of, you know... The Queen is dead, long live the King. Yes, all Queen. King. All queen. Interesting you said King. Andrew, can I just ask one final thing? Um, Tory voters are opposed to Theresa May being disposed. So what do you say to that? I mean, you, you do seem to be alienating your voters. Well, I think that was a bit of a push poll in the Daily Mail, which has suddenly, uh, under its new editor, become <laughs> a, uh, the main newspaper. I mean, apparently they, they lost uh, 10,000 readers last month, and I think they're going to lose an awful lot more. Actually, I should imagine the Daily Telegraph are rubbing their hands together with glee. Yes, I think you're absolutely right. Mm. Very well put. Andrew, thank you very much indeed. Thank Andrew, Andrew. Bridget, Conservative MP for North West Leicestershire, in Leicestershire at the moment, uh, because he's not in London, uh, where it's all happening, because we are now led to believe uh, that there will be a, a vote of no confidence yes. uh, brought against Theresa May. Yep. We've just heard Andrew Bridget there explaining that that means there'll probably be a vote sometime next week. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. You know what to do. Uh, this is Talk Radio, so what you've got to do is call us, 0344 499 1000. A couple of people are being a bit pedantic about the distances involved in this story. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a Mike kilometre, not a mile. And a few other people, yeah, are saying 1,000 metres is uh, 0.621 of a mile, yeah, to no, be accurate, Yeah, no, it's a kilometre. No, I don't... Well, 1,000 metres is a kilometre, isn't it? Yes, I mean, you exactly, know that. yeah. That's yeah. why it's called a kilometre. Yeah, but I, I was reading this quickly here, and I saw the one, and... Well, look. it says nearly a mile. Nearly a mile, yeah, but it's 0.62, so it's nearly a mile. 60% of a mile is probably not quite nearly a mile, Yeah, but it's still a long way away. Right, It still means that if there's a guy... If you're going to pull me on it, at least phone me and pull me on it. I don't think anybody's having a go at you, Dawn. Yes, I think you should be less paranoid. Stop taking it so personally. I am taking it personally, come on. For heaven's sake, let's talk to Dave, uh, who is a Leave supporter in Dudley. Hello, Dave. Hi, Dave. Hiya. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad on yourself. Yeah, very well indeed. What do you want to say? I just think uh, everybody's going on about Theresa May's deal being bad. I actually think it appeases everybody. It appeases the miners. We get certain things that they want. It appeases the main concerns of leave, which was leaving the customs union in the single market. Right. So I think what she's done, and I think she's brought, trying to bring the country together to go ahead. Like, I, mean, I think it's quite... And I was an ardent leave supporter. I put placards everywhere. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I actually campaigned for leave, putting leaflets for everybody's door. And I think she's done... I, for what she's up against, I think she's doing really well. Blimey, well and said, I think Dave. It's wrong. Yeah, because I think it's wrong what everybody's doing. Like, so, I mean, I think there's no deal actually been done yet. The next two years are going to proceed and we're going to get the deal done then. So everybody's harping on about what's been 
agreed and what's not agreed. Nothing's been agreed still yet. It's no. only a withdrawal agreement. So, Dave... I mean, the, the, the real negotiation is going to start now. Exactly. Dave, what is your opinion, then, of this vote of no confidence? I... I don't. I don't agree with it, Reid. I, I think she's. I think she's doing a really good job with what she's got, and I think it's wrong that Brexit ministers are resigning. Like, I mean, because they should be staying in cabinet to still be pushing mm. the Brexit course. Like, do you know what I mean? And I think they're wrong to be resigning from it. Mm. And I can see what. I think a lot of it's got to do with Theresa May's advisers and trying to keep people out of it because she wants what's best for the country. So she's trying to appease both parties and she doesn't want other people getting involved, really. And what, ab- and what about, you know, you, you see these stories all the time, Dave, now, of how, you know, an awful lot of people who voted to leave now don't want to because they understand that it's far more complicated than they thought it was going to be. You sound as though you still want to leave and you're pretty sure about it. Yeah, yeah, and I don't, I don't know anybody who, who voted leave that has changed their mind. And that they say it was all down to the older generation. Well, I'm only 50. Right. You know I mean? And I've got my children, three of my children are voting age, and like 20, early 20s, they all voted to leave. Yeah. Did they? Interesting. It's just, it's just not just a, an old person's or middle age. It's, it's, it's people, how they're dealt with in society. And I, I run my own business as well as advocation business. And I, I employ a couple of Albanian lads. I've got a Serb lad. I've got a Romanian. Everybody said it's all to do with racism. I'm not racist in any way whatsoever. Like some of my best friends are Eastern Europeans. Right? Do you know what I mean? So mm. it, it's totally wrong what we, we've been labelled. I've been called racist in the street because I've got... I've, in the campaign, I had a massive vote leave covering the whole of my back window in my car. And right. I used to be called racist and everything. You have no idea how wrong these people are. Like, it's nothing to do with race, nothing whatsoever. I think you're absolutely right. No, I agree. Listen, very well said, Dave, because I think the problem is is that, you know, a lot of people like the Alistair Campbells of this world, you know, the spin doctors will put these pieces of information out there. That guy Femi that we had on the radio the other day, you know, they all come out with all this stuff, which is meant to be a truism, and it's not. I I think it's it's just, they make everything so divisive. They do. And and tribal. And by far and away, the most divisive people have been the Remainers. And the Ramoners and the people who say, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. You didn't know what you were voting for. You're racist. You know, they're basically, it's a class thing. Totally I, it, a class I, I thing. I think it is a class the thing. Middle and class remainers. As, as well as feeling confused and having a headache, I feel I'm being patronised. I feel like they don't actually really care about me. And I, I'm not sure they care about the yeah. country. I'm sure they care about themselves. That's pretty much all I'm sure at the moment. Exactly. Dave, thanks very much thanks, indeed for Dave. your call. Dave, a very, very good call, that, because not no. only showing uh, up the idea and the myth, in fact, Interesting. Uh, that, in fact, loads of people who were young voted to r- remain yeah. because they wanted to stay in Europe. That's not entirely yeah. true. Also not entirely true that people who did vote leave now think they should change their mind and want to stay in. Also not true. And he also says, even though he does want to leave, he's quite happy with this deal. Yeah. And he's quite happy for Theresa May to keep going through it. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, 
relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. You and I both enjoy a little bit of shopping, and there's any secret about that, well, particularly actually, for bargains, right? No, you're wrong, because I hate shopping. Do you? See? So you Why don't do you know hate everything, shopping? Mike Graham. I hate shopping with you a passion. You hate shopping? I hate shopping. Do you like anything? Balls apart me from cycling. I quite like you. Do you? Yeah. Oh, isn't that Aww. nice? I don't believe you, though. <laughs> I think you're just saying that. Vote no confidence. Yeah, vote no confidence <laughs> in the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. See, we don't allow that kind of thing. We, no. just, uh, we just sort of run it like a dictatorship. Well, like all good places should be I run. like being told what to do. Uh, do you? Well, no. that's another story altogether. That's not what I've heard either, by the way. But anyway, here we are, uh, once again, affecting um, a sale, a super sale. It's a super sale. Something that used to be only in America, right? Something that we now seem to have imported. It was originally Black Friday after the Thanksgiving Thursday You know more about this because you've done the American thing. Yeah, well, I've not only done the American thing, I married an American, I lived in America. I got married in America, funny enough, in New York. And uh, so, yeah, so Thanksgiving is a big holiday there. It's the biggest holiday, much bigger than Christmas, Mm -hmm. because it's not denominational. Everybody does it, no matter what religion they are. Uh, So Friday was the day that everybody went to the shops, trampled over one another yep. to try and get the you know the TV for a hundred dollars. Right. Nowadays, uh, we do it here. Yes. I don't understand why we don't do. Me Thanksgiving. neither. Why do we import this? Why do we do? Why do we? Why do we import sort of uh, the Friday shopping, but not the Thursday Thanksgiving holiday? It's it's just where a, you eat turkey. Exactly. It's just an excuse to flog us more tat that we don't know. Yes. We need it. But what we're seeing already is a load of adverts in the papers. And in fact, last weekend I bought something from an electrical store. I'm not going to name it uh, just because I don't want to give them any free publicity. But uh, they sold me something that I was going to buy for Christmas yeah. for my other half for half price huh. of what it should have been. So, I mean, already it seems like they're absolutely rinsing us and making as much money as possible. People are getting Amazon alerts every five I've, seconds. I've, I've, I've had to turn to my say, phone off. Have you? No, well, well, that's because yeah. it rings when you're sitting <laughs> Yeah, because I'm rubbish in here Let's as well. Let's talk to Paul Mitchell, who's a retail expert, because this is now getting ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, when I bought my thing at the weekend, last weekend, they said, if you register on the website and the price goes down on Black Friday, you can get a refund on what you paid for it now. And, and Black Friday isn't until actually next Friday. No, that's right. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. That's right. Well, so, it's, it's usually the third Friday of the month, I yeah. believe. Uh, let's find out from Paul. What is going on out there? Paul, a very good uh, afternoon to you. Hello, Paul. Good afternoon, Black Thank Friday. You. Huh? Yeah, well, it's I mean... the most ridiculous import that, we, that, we, that we've had from America. Mm. It's, it's great for consumers. It's terrible for retailers. Well, and I was going to say, they why? can't put... I mean, the amount of money that they must lose on this, this whole thing, why would they make it go on for longer than they actually need to? 
Well, I think the, 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 the problem is, is it stems from the, the woes on the high street um, and the di- deep discounting that, that, that we're seeing. You know, let's face facts. Anybody can sell fifty p. Uh, anybody can sell a quid for fifty p. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. as they say in retailing, you know, turnover is vanity, profit is sanity. If you cannot sell goods at full price and make your full margin in the golden quarter in the run up to Christmas, what is the point? The yeah. problem is we're stuck with it now, and consumers have been educated to wait for the discounts to hold back their spend, and sadly, you know, for, for retailers, that they have to react to that. Is it, is it a kind of mass hysteria they've got themselves involved in? Because, I mean, I remember the good old days of, uh, of the sort of Christmas sales and you'd wait till January and if you were really, really, really is, poor... If you, if you look at it, you know, we've had Black Friday now for five years. Yeah. Now, if you look to a couple of years before Black Friday started in the UK, it was the years, if you recall, when we had snow on the ground uh, virtually every day in December. Now... What happened then was the retailers got very nervous and went on mass sale before the, the Christmas period, before mm. Boxing Day, yeah. and they started deep discounting early in December. Black Friday then started, which was the American import. It was kind of Amazon and Walmart, Alsterek, you know, embraced it. We saw those, you know, those scenes on our televisions, didn't we, for the first year where they were fighting in Asda's over televisions, yeah. etc. And everybody moved with the pack. And what you know, retailers did inadvertently was educate consumers to hold back their spend. And that's what they've done. Mm. So sadly, we're stuck with it now. And the problem is, is we've lost 85,000 jobs on the high street. The high street's in decline. And we're telling people that go and shop on your high street because you know, people want ex- the experience. People want the knowledge, you know, et cetera, um, the customer service. Yet all this does, Black Friday does, is educate people on price. People aren't, aren't wanting the experience. They aren't wanting the service. They're wanting the discount. But isn't, if you're a canny retailer, isn't there a thing where you can put your price up just for a few days before Black Friday and then take it back off again and pretend it's a huge discount for punters? There are actually laws against that, so oh. <laughs> no, is the reality. But, you know, there's some amazing statistics here. And, and I think Mike mentioned it in his own, per, you know, he was about to buy an item. But, you know, he saw it, you know, uh, that he would have bought probably in a few weeks' time in the run-up to Christmas at full price, start pricing Black Friday. You know, the margin for the retailers lost. So some of the statistics are quite incredible. You know, two in five people are holding the, you know, held their money back for Black Friday, um, or, or should we say, you know, Black November, really. You know, um, and of those, you know, um, one one in five of them would have made the purchase anyway. So, you know, at a time where retailers are really struggling with increasing costs through increases in wages, increases in rent, increases in business rates, you know, and losing market share, you know, with spend migrates to online, they're actually giving away margin through 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 Black Friday. And how does this affect the actual manufacturers as opposed to the retailers themselves? Because presumably, you know, they're also losing money, aren't they? Well, uh, it, it's a hard one because the really really big retailers will go to their manufacturers and they will agree special deals on products, etc., in the run up to Black Friday. So it'll be a kind of a joint a joint hit, so to speak. But this then puts pressure on 
the small independent retailers because they're sat there in their shops, they're waiting for the spend. They feel that they have to join in on the event, you know, or, or they're not seeing any money coming through the tills, but they don't have the same margins to play with. So, no. you know, it's, it's a vicious circle and it's a dangerous one. It really is. So how, how do we stop it now, though? I mean, well, the genie's can, out of the bottle, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think you can. Well, I think, I think the problem is, 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 like you say, the genie's out of the bottle and inadvertently, you know, the, the retailers are their author of their own misfortune because they've educated, they've educated the consumer to hold back their spend. They know that the retailers will react by deep discounting. Um, so I don't think you can stop it uh, unless all the retailers en masse decide to boycott Black Friday. I think it's here to stay. Mm. And does that mean that the sort of the post-Christmas sales are less important now to retailers or that they'll maybe stop happening? Well, I think this year it's going to be interesting because, I, I, you know, I've seen some, some statistics banded around saying that this Black Friday event will, you know, this year will contribute about £10 billion. So, you know, one in every £10 spent in this quarter will be through the Black Friday event. Um, I'm not sure it's going to be, you know, um, you know, as well received as in other years because, you know, let's face facts, if you look at John Lewis, for argument's sake, and I think I think I spoke to you about that, you know, when their, pri- their, when their profits were completely yes. wiped mm. out. Their profits were completely wiped out because of their price promise by price matching because there has been so much discounting on the high street this year given, given the woes that, that, that the retailers are facing. Mm. So we're already, you know, seeing very, very deep discounting this year. So, you know, there's been bargains to be had all year. Well, I'm looking at TVs that they're currently advertising in the papers today. I mean, the idea that you could now buy a Hitachi 43-inch smart 4K Ultra HD TV for 279.99 is extraordinary. Isn't well, it? it is extraordinary, isn't it? You know, um, t- you know, I, I, I was in a, a well-known high street retailer this morning, you know, and um, the Black Tag event had started. They dropped the yeah. side in and, and called it Black Tag so, so they can get two weeks out of it. Mm. So, I mean, it's just going to stay for the whole month of November I, I, now, isn't well, it? Well, uh, yeah, and, and into December because uh, the, the sales do start earlier and earlier. Mm. It's, they don't wait till after Christmas now. Most of them do launch their Does sales it, Do you know, Christmas. Paul, what, whether the, the, the sort of the... Um, the, the division between online shopping and actual going to the shop shopping um, has changed or is changing as a result of these types well, of things. Well, I think, I think it has. And I think if you, if you look at it when Black Friday first started, you know, the television crews were outside the shops. They were queuing up at 5 a.m. Yeah, people were fighting and, over stuff. No, it wasn't yeah, that embarrassing. Yeah, they were fighting. There were scrums. And mm. then last year, you know, there was nobody outside, right. you know, um, but the spend is still there. And I think I think now it's, it's beginning to become more of an online, online. Event, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I think the reason why it started earlier is because the likes of Amazon have started earlier. So yeah. the rest of the retailers have had to follow suit. Mm. So, um, you know, it, it's all really relatively bad news for, for retailers on the high street. And it's only going to accelerate the decline of the high street but you know it's great for the consumer no it really is well in my case i did what a lot of people now do because you're not sure if they're going to have the thing that, that they're actually advertising is you, you you order it and you click and collect it click and collect and so you see an awful lot of people now going into shops i mean the other thing i see a lot of whenever i'm in a department store for example is people bringing stuff in to give back to them yes, that yeah. they've bought online mm. so suddenly the whole shopping experience has changed you know paul Hello? Yes. Yeah, sorry. It, it's an expensive way of retailing, isn't it? Because, you know, it's okay with click and collect if you're a supermarket because you'll hope you'll click, come and collect your items 
Um, and, and buy something else. Weekly, weekly shop. Yeah. But if all you're doing is, redu- is returning items and then getting in your car and going home, you know, these shops are expensive to run and yeah. you, you're, you're effectively an expensive post office, aren't you? Well, exactly. I must admit, I make a point of not buying anything on Black Friday or the week before Black Friday really? or after because I just feel like I'm being conned. Uh-huh. I know Paul said there are laws. Well, not really. Against... I mean, you're being you're not being conned. You're no, getting no, no, something I just for feel less like, money. I just feel like, yeah, it, it's, A, it's normally stuff I don't realise I want yeah. in the first place. And okay. let's face it, who hasn't brought a kitchen gadget of one description or another yeah. on a Black Friday thing. Ooh, well, we were really talking about coffee machines. Uh, yeah. You haven't got a coffee machine, And then right? stick it in the cupboard and never use it. Well, maybe you would make I, it I think day. I think you make a really good point because there, in my mind, there is no doubt Black Friday drives debt because we get so wrapped up yeah. in 50% off, 70% off. And, you know, before we know it, we've bought the item. Before asking ourselves, do we actually, do we actually need, need it? it? No. Well, certainly what I wouldn't say you need is a £350 hoover. Which you can now buy from Dyson. That's in the what? sale, by the way. Paul, thanks very much indeed. Paul Mitchell, Thank you, Paul. A retail expert. Yeah, in that same sale where you can buy a television for 349 quid, um, you can buy a Hoover for 349 quid. Why would you quid. do that? It's ridiculous, Why isn't it? Why would you even do that? I bought, a, I bought a new Hoover the other day because I was ordered to buy a new Hoover for my cleaner. Um, right. But I only spent 100 quid on it, so I hope it's good. Now, let's have Thank a quick word with Brian, who's in Chorley, Lancashire. Hello, um, Brian. Brian, a very good afternoon to you. Hi. Hello, How what do you, you want to say? I'm very well, thank you. What would you like to tell yeah. us? Oh. Yeah, good. I was just listening earlier about your Black Friday. Yeah. The only thing to listen to, Brian, come on. And it made, it made me laugh because I have this debate with my wife all the time. Um, it, it isn't actually illegal uh, what, what retailers do. I used to be a retail manager um, in large retail stores. And it's called sale-by, effectively. It's not very ethical, I don't think, but um, you buy items and you bury them in the back of a distant store for a period of something like 60 days yeah and then and then they you then then they put them on at a first day of sale or something like a black friday and say it's 50 percent discount but the reality is is your selling price was never going to be anything really other than the 50 percent discount price and people fall for it in their drawers it's a fantastic market employee but you're not really saving 50%. So, Brian, I was right. I actually knew more than the retail expert. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's correct. Marvellous. If you actually read the small print on most of these ads, it actually tells you that um was on sale for 60 days in three stores in the UK. And that would be like one of your large supermarket retailers. Mm. Um, so and so really, where do they hide it? Some, just somewhere where no one can find it? Well, it's not very well, obvious. It's not, like, not yeah. on display. You would actually, well, you don't even put them out into stores. A lot of it sits in warehouses. So if you bought 10,000 units of, say, a, um, a music system of some sort, right. you would sort of bury about 9,500. You'd put, leave 9,500 in the warehouse, right. put 500 of them out into small stores, bury them in the back of a shelf somewhere. Any sales you would get on those would be a bonus. Um, but then you then put them out and they all arrive the day before the sale. And are they making money on these items then or not, would you say? Yep, yep. You, essentially, you get you, you buy them at you know, retail markup. You would never really sell anything for less than 50% markup. Really? Okay. So if you were selling something for £100, you would have bought it for at least 50 Right. But then you would have sold it for £200 in those X amount of stores buried for a period of time, and then you say it's now half price. Well, that's four hundred percent markup, isn't it? If you buy it for Absolutely. fifty and sell it for two hundred, yeah. yeah. But you would only sell a very small proportion of those because they're 
they're buried and they're quite expensive right. at that point. So then you say so it's yeah. only 100 quid now and you're still making mm-hmm. uh, yep. double. That's Correct. not bad, is it? So right, so. Always say it's well, I mean, if it was that easy, Brian, why are so many of these people going out of business? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not in retail anymore. There you go. So you, <laughs> you can't answer business. that question. <laughs> Listen, thank you very much indeed, Cheers, Brian, Brian in uh, Chorley, Lancashire. <laughs> The 2018 Perrier Awards on Talk Radio. Sorry, folks, just twiddling the wrong knob there. Um, <laughs> Not for the first time. <laughs> no, tell me about it. Right, OK, I've got the volume right now. Mm. OK, yeah, it's time for this. That's right. Each Friday, we cast our ears back over the past seven days of the so-called so independent... Cool. I need to change this script. Well, change but it. Yeah, it's like... Feel free to change I, I, it. I, I, I'm going to do it for now, OK? A right. brilliant producer today has done a good job on this. So. So-called independent Mike Graham and choose our favourite moments. Let's see who has won this week. And you might not be shocked to hear, Sigh, that the first period goes mm. to Mike Graham. Fantastic. We listened live to Theresa May's speech in the Commons yesterday, and for that, he wins Commentary of the Week. So, Mr Speaker, the choice is... Theresa May speaking in the Houses of Parliament right now. This is talk radio. She says we're battling on. She says we're not going to stop. But not everybody is convinced. Groundbreaking yeah. stuff there, Mike. It's difficult to uh, to know when to to, to, uh, to get in there. You see, exactly, because for, yeah. uh, for ages she didn't stop at all. No, for breath, right? No. And then suddenly, when I decided to say something, yeah, she then she jumped stopped. in. See, that's Shocking. how politics works. I right? know, unbelievable. Uh, reaction of the week goes to Mike from York. Well, there aren't any UKIP yeah. voters left. Are you? <laughs> he almost he was just on. He, he was. He's a great caller. He almost woke me up then, actually. Yeah. He did sort of screech on that one, didn't yeah. he? Right. Uh, oh, my God. Somebody else wins one. Katie wins this award for probably not the most creative insult of the week. Well, Dawn, uh, who's, who's coming in here, I think, on Thursday, she tracks her husband. She wants, wants to know where he is all the time. Really? Yeah. I wouldn't have a clue. I'm not, I don't need to know. No, I don't think you want to know, do you? What's, what's the point? You go home and you say, darling, how was your day? How was your day, You yeah. want to know what they've done, not, I know how your day was. You yeah. checked out a Tesco at yeah. half past 12. And then you went to the and pub. And you checked into the pub at quarter to one. And then you went to the pub. And you had, and you had dinner in there. Yeah. So don't make out you haven't eaten today, because no. you already have had a burger and chips, exactly. you fatty. <laughs> That's why she doesn't do it, obviously. Yeah, see, I think she secretly does want to know there, maybe, I think. I maybe. think protesting too much there, Katie, mm. love. Right, another period for you, Mike. I want a shock. Thank you. Uh, what is it you were trying to say? Here's your most interesting pronunciation of the week. You know, you're normally used to laying wreaths in, in places where the temperature's a lot warmer. Uh, you know, that oh. whole debacle over the Hamas. <laughs> debacle? What's debacle. wrong with that? What's wrong with Debacle. <laughs> Do you not say it that way? No, funny enough. What do you say? No, I'm not saying nothing. I'm moving quickly. You say debacle or something? I'm moving swiftly on, mate. Debacle, like the Americans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Debacle is right. Oh, shut up. Right, Right, chief political commentator for the Independent, John Rental, joined the show to talk all things Brexit. No worries there. For the Independent Um, what? The Independent, John Rental. Oh, okay. Who's he? John Rental's the... uh, uh, Political correspondent from the Independent. I'm just reading what's written here. There's no punctuation. Oh, I thought you were going to no say punctuation. the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. No, no, no. It's not, not, I don't do the punctuation on this. Okay. Any case, right. moving swiftly on, on. He joins Talk All Things Brexit. Yes. And we learn that politics can indeed be a laughing matter. But, uh, no, I mean, Jeremy Corbyn was prepared to go out in the rain. Actually, it didn't rain as it as it happened, but he did put his... Can you imagine him with a hood up? That would have been even worse. Well, that... <laughs> 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 Isn't that funny? Don't get me started on that one. No. Uh, right. Uh, Mike, you've been ruling your independent republic mm. for a while now. Yes. So it's good. <laughs> Don't push it. So it's good to know that you've realised what one of your roles actually is. 
Congratulations, you win a correction of the week. Shouldn't you be able to electronically tag a car? Quite possibly. You know, I mean, you see, I've so many I'm great sure ideas you should, I've got. You can here. Be able to. I can't believe that somebody isn't paying me for this. Well, they are, technically. <laughs> <laughs> But not for the ideas. No, no. And, no. Just, and just not enough, because it's the best show on Talk Radio. It is. And it's brilliant. Thank you very much. Right, OK. Uh, another one for Ms Perio. Mm. Earlier in the week, you were talking about fish and chips, and she came up with the most intelligent question possibly ever. Deep fried cream egg is one of the greatest things you've ever tasted. Oh, yum. It's incredible. Do you have it in batter first? Or you just whack it in? You know, yeah, it's in batter, yeah. It's in batter. Yeah, you can't deep okay. fry it if it's in cho- just chocolate. It melts, doesn't it? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Have you got any idea? <laughs> <laughs> She's not much of a cook, is Katie. Well, I'm with Katie on this one. Yeah. I'd have asked exactly the same question. What do you think question. happens if you drop chocolate into some really, really hot fat? I'm never, ever, ever going mm. to do that, so yeah. I'm never going to find out. But I now know, thanks to you and Katie. There you go. Right. I'm not sure whether I should be giving you an award for this. I honestly have no idea what you could have possibly meant when you said this. You win rudest comment of the week. Mm. It's true, isn't it? I mean, if in any relationship that you're in, and I know you've only been in one all your life, so it doesn't really count, but... <laughs> I've had a boyfriend. Oh really? Before. Oh really? I got married. Well, oh well, yeah. Well, thirty-two years ago. Yeah. Well, what was he? Kind of in the war or something? <laughs> I mean, for heaven's sake. That was a bit harsh. Yeah, it was a bit bloody. It could have been the Falklands Excuse War. Me. Oh, could yeah. have been the Falklands War. Yeah, actually, yeah. Thanks. I am. I'm not going to. We'll discuss this one later. <laughs> yeah, okay. Any case, and since I have to put up with your rudeness sometimes, mm. actually all the time, it's only fair that I get to win the next award to cheer myself up. I'm the proud winner of most interesting start to a sentence. Ooh. But I, not that my life's been a porn film by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> but. <laughs> Well, I'll take your word for that. Thank you very much. Oh, 32 years married. Yeah. Go figure. Too much information. Go figure. Yeah. Uh, right. Tory MP for Sutton and Cheam, Paul Scully, joined us as a guest, and I think he had an epiphany live on air. One of the tests is that we enjoy the exact same benefits as a membership of the EU. Well, that's like sort of being a member of a golf course and then uh, leaving it and wanting to still play on a golf course. You can't do it. Mm. You might be able to pay green fees and stuff like that, play on there, but... Uh, Crikey, um, how bourgeois middle class have been sorry about that golf club. Yeah, well, you do live in, you do live in stockbroker <laughs> belt Surrey, Paul, don't you? Absolutely kippered himself there. He was really funny. I like Paul, actually. Yeah, he he's, he's a good lad. Very good. Uh, right, the last one for the alleged oh. dictator. Is it the end? No. It's my favourite bit of the week. No, this is no. it's not quite the end yet. Uh, but calm down, okay. dear. Right. This is the last one. You win. Ah, okay. Possibly ever. Okay. Right? So... Don't interrupt me. The last one for the alleged dictator. It's time for one of our favourites, a best impression of the week. Uh, 03444991000 is the number to call us on. <laughs> what on earth was that? I've got no Sorry idea, for the Mike. Pink Panther. Absolutely no idea. It's quite impressive. <laughs> I've got your number. Right, and, and now this is this is one of your secret admirers. Well, not so secret, actually. Really? She openly flirts with you. Yeah. We're now a bit familiar with caller Susan in mm. Exeter, yes. but perhaps she might be getting too comfortable with us. She won Perrier for most interesting noise. To have their baby. Now, we're not going to turn them away. You can't turn a heavily no. pregnant lady I mean, away. that is a true story. I certainly know of, of, of at least two people that work for me. I beg your pardon. Yeah. Uh, two, two people that, that... That's horrendous, what wasn't was it? What was that? She burped. Was that a burp? It I, was I, a burp. I was listening as I that listened religiously. I listen religiously to talk radio when I'm not yeah. here because it's the best thing to listen to yeah. ever. Um, but I, I sort of wanted not to believe that was a burp. But I it think was it was a burp. And in fact, oops. she did confirm that as ah, well. It right. didn't sound like a burp that it a woman would make. It wasn't like no. It wasn't, no. I, I mean, Susan's got such a cute voice. And then yeah. she does this like, bloke you burp type Yeah, thing. strange that. And finally, now we are at the end. And finally, Daisy, this did make me laugh, this I'm going to say. Daisy wins Struggle of the Week. She asked for advice on how to deal with a tricky situation with her au pair. 
I've got an etiquette question to ask you. Have we got time? Go on. Just thinking about the new au pair. He oh, yeah. is delightful, absolutely lovely. Are you lovely. expecting me to no have complaints. etiquette uh, advice? Well, it's sort of, it, it's a modern <laughs> thing, as in she's absolutely lovely, mm. beautiful manners, all the rest right. of it. But she is on her phone yeah. in the kitchen mm. On sort of not just to having a conversation, but a FaceTime conversation. So, you know. Oh, so you're hearing everything I'm that's hearing being and said. seeing. So if I'm walking behind yeah. her, whoever it is she's talking yeah. to, you know, is looking at, yeah. at me. And, also, and right. I find it really uncomfortable. Yeah, who is she talking to? Mostly her boyfriend. Okay. There you go again with your first world problem. So up, grim up north London now, first, isn't it? First world problems. Yeah, it's isn't true. It? Yeah. it really is. What am I going to do with my au pair? She won't get off the phone. She did make me laugh, though. I know. I mean, she's such a sweet girl. We'll have to funny. find out what the end result of that was. I, I, yeah, well, the au pair's Spanish, isn't mm, she? She is. So, yeah. So Daisy could learn to speak Spanish and then join in with the group phone well, call. Yeah, why not? Ah, yeah, I why think it's not? a good idea. It's probably not Obviously, quite so Obviously, I'm never going to have this etiquette problem. No, you're not. No. You're not going to have an au pair. I'm not going to have an au pair or no. etiquette for Me that neither. <laughs> That's it then. Is that the end? Yeah. Well, don't what you have to say... Makes... We're going to be back with oh, some God, more Perry Awards next oh, week Oh, my Lord. Look, it wouldn't be the Perriers if I didn't mess it up. Right, no. OK. Right, OK. Reading out loud. That's all for the Perry Awards. There will be more next Friday. Thank you. The 2018 Perrier Awards on Talk Radio. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. So if you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.